And I was thinking this afternoon in preparation for his introduction, how many messages could I think of from Brother Booker that have made a difference? A lot. A lot. In fact, if you were to ask any apostolic worth their beans, their top 10 favorite preachers, Brother Larry Booker would be in everybody's list. <laughs> Brother Booker, we love you. We respect you. You're an elder. You're an apostolic statesman. And you're a preacher of the gospel. Put your hands together under the Lord for the man of God in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord, everybody. That was very nice. If I believed it, I'd be in trouble. But uh, I am thankful for it. You may be seated. You may be seated while I get myself together here. I, uh, to, uh, I love Brother and Sister Mayo and their family very, very, very much. Truly beautiful people. And uh, I think of, um, spoke of David and he was still a, he was, he was, he was still young. He was in, uh, King Saul's court the javelins hadn't started getting thrown yet but uh, the Bible said of David that when he behaved himself wisely in all his ways etc and it said that his name David's name was much set by and uh, if you look that up in some of the other translations some of the other paraphrases it says his name was highly honored, or he became famous, he became preeminent, highly regarded, of great importance. They put much stock in it. And I want to say to this church that you have um, a pastor, as Brother Odom has stated, a bishop, and, um, and he's like David. His name is much set by, and you need to be thankful for that. You need to be thankful for that. Very thankful. And uh, this conference, I, I, um, I do agree, I feel, that this has been a very special conference. I, I hope it continues, and I believe it will. If it gets off course between Brother uh, Holmes and Brother Marks, I'm sure that... Uh, It'll get back on keel, praise God. But it has been, to me, a very, very special. And I have deeply appreciated the ministry of Brother Bass and Brother Odom. And uh, if, if these men can't feed you, um, I, I guess there's hope for you. I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, 
I will tell you this, that, that uh, if you think it's easy following Wade Bass and Floyd Odom this morning, if you think that's easy, I'm here to tell you it is not. And uh, I'm still feasting. And uh, Brother Odom had uh, 13 pages of notes left. I, I thought about asking him if I could borrow them tonight. Brother Holmes said it very, very well in the, in the glow of the worship and the altar service. He said, that message needs to be made into a book. And it really does. It really does. And uh, with the other, the other 13 pages in it, but that, yes, thank God, thank God. A uh, couple of things. Um, if you see me sitting around and not standing all the time, I have been paying closer attention to my knees lately, the last few years. And when they tell me to sit down, I pretty much listen to them. And uh, one of the things they tell me, if you'd have listened to me a long time ago, you might not be in this mess. So I just take, take them for the word. But my heart's standing. I can trust, trust me on that. Uh, and then uh, uh, I'm going to say God bless all the Rialto people that are here. It's like a family reunion. God bless you. This is awesome. Now, those weren't all Rialto people you heard clapping. <laughs> they, they were, they're just happy they're here too. But anyway, there's a lot of them, and we, we, we love that very, very much. And uh, Joel Booker does send his apologies. If he could have, he would have, but he just couldn't, and we all understand what that's like. But uh, he's, he's doing a great job pastoring. Every now and then he tells me, he says... If I could only have five more Larry Bookers in this church, it would be so awesome. The problem is he's not talking about Larry L. Booker. He's talking about Larry A. Booker, who's sitting right over there. And, and he's serious. And, and I'm serious too. God bless him. Stand up, son. I just, he's, he's a hard working man and his wife, hard working people and God bless them. I just wanted you to know that we raise them tall, praise God. God bless you. And, uh, and then one last little tidbit before we go to the word of the Lord. I know that, uh, I guess all you young people that are going to a certain spot, you're going to have to rent these socks for $4. Well, and it's, and I know what it is. They're worried about fungal stuff. And so they want to make sure you got the right stuff. Well, Brother Herbert is my uh, cadet. And uh, we've got this deal worked out. He went and bought a box of cans of Lysol. So if you'll just pay him a buck fifty, he'll spray all your feet, and you don't have to worry about the socks. 
You may not get there till 3 a.m., but your feet will be clean, praise God. Well, so here we are, and uh, I'm going to ask us to stand if we would. We're going to go to two places in the Word of the Lord. The first one is Psalms 78, and the next one is Lamentations chapter 5. We're going to read the first seven verses of Psalms 78, and then one verse in Lamentations chapter number 5. This is my first foray into this building since it's been fixed up fixed up what a term redone completely from head to tail and beautiful it's beautiful very very well done very well done now um, as I read out of Psalm 78 please pay close attention of, at everything that is being said here this is laying a foundation, but I will not be referring back to any of these verses, save the Spirit just directs me there. Verse 1, Psalm 78, give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. And I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Anybody glad you had fathers, spiritual or, or maternal, that would tell you the good things of God's word? So not only were they told us, verse 4, we will not hide them from their children showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. That the generation to come might know them. Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Now this was written 3,000 years ago. There have been a lot of generations reading this since then. Verse 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And then in Lamentations chapter 5, one verse, verse number 19. Lamentations 5, verse 19. Thou, O Lord, remainest forever. Thy throne from generation to generation. Anybody thankful for that? Oh, anybody thankful we're, we're part of that generation? 
Lord Jesus, touch our every heart and soul and mind. Quicken us, God. Make us absolutely alive to you, to your word, to your plan, to this day, to our hour. In your works in these last days, we stand in awe of you, God, and we commit ourselves to you and your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you so much. Thank you for standing. Certainly may be seated, of course. I was uh, thinking this morning, and it was a moving testimony. Brother Odom made mention of his father who in 1953, now I was born in 1952, so I was probably not yet a year old because I was born in November of 52, when this event took place. And uh, were it not for the will of God uh, and the ways of God, Brother Odom's Father, his son, Floyd Odom, him and I would have never met. But God had a plan. And when you were being introduced and Brother Mayo was making mention of meeting you first, hearing you first at PSR, I leaned over to my son Larry and said what he preached was, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And tonight, Brother Mayo came up and said, I remember the first message I heard. I said, Jesus, thou son of, and he finished it. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. So, but his dad, when I was less than a year old, and Brother Odom was 22, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. He would have been about six. He'd have been about six years old in Biloxi, Mississippi, heard a woman by the name of Agnes Holmes. And she had a boy that wasn't, I don't think, even six when that happened. And uh, so a generation ahead of us, me by many years, brought the gospel to Biloxi and or at least strengthened the gospel roots that were there and in the process won the Odom family to God and the rest is history. History of which we will not even begin to understand until we get to the glory world. And when we get over there and we see all of the things that take place, things we don't even realize, how that one generation affects another generation affects another generation. And this happens for good or bad. We're interested in the good tonight. We are very interested in the good tonight. I think of Brother Paul Elder and his very sweet mother, Sister Sandra Elder. I'm so thankful I did get to meet a couple of times his grandmother, Edwina Nuss Elder. And, uh, and then, of course, Paul Elder, many, many, many years ago. And now this next generation is coming on like gangbusters. You've heard them sing here, 
and we've heard them preach, but Jeffrey and Mitchell and Melody, one generation to another. One generation to another. And only when we get to the other side will we ever begin to fully fathom it. Um, I'm just, I hope I don't botch this and I'm not going to belabor it, but in December of, night, of 2016, Brother Paul Elder gave me a call just before Christmas and he was sobbing. And I, when he, I mean, that's the only time he's ever called me, crying. And I did not know what on earth had happened. And uh, bottom line, long story cut short. He had, someone had contacted him from Facebook, from Pakistan. He got it about midnight. He shut it down, come back a few days later and catching up. And so bottom line, when his grandmother, Edwina, first got the truth, now her older sister, oldest sister, Grace Ness, she received the Holy Ghost in uh, 1903 at um, Charles Fox Parham's crusade in Baxter Springs, Kansas, where a minimum of 800 people received the Holy Ghost and people that were there said, no, 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 it was at least 1,200. And she got the Holy Ghost there. And then about 1916, she had made her way to Indianapolis where she received the truth of baptism in Jesus' name, amen, and the oneness of God from Elder G.T. Haywood at that church. So she set about winning her family, and she won Edwina. And then when Edwina hadn't had the Holy Ghost very long, she began to say, I feel I'm supposed to go to Pakistan. I feel I'm supposed to be a missionary. So as the years went by and this grew, the day came and she felt and she went. And she was there and for two years she was in a mountain village and there's mountains in Pakistan and there's villages. Villages in India and Pakistan are not like here. The first time I went to India, I preached in a village. Literally, that's anybody that lived there, this is a village. The village had 100,000 people in it the village so anyway she was in a village way up in the mountains and she was teaching she won some families to God and she was there two years and the Pakistani government kicked out all American missionaries regardless of what they believed they kicked them out. so she left and uh, there was a part of her heart that always felt uh, a little bit shorted because it's like her dream was thwarted. Well, so anyway, the years go by, but she was a prayer warrior. She was an unbelievable child of God. She married a man named Elder and had a son named Carl. He got this truth and then he gave it to Paul and Paul got this truth and he's given it to his kids and, and now some of them got kids and they're already giving it to them and it goes from one generation to another. That's the title of my message tonight. From one generation to another. Anyway, in the bottom line, he realizes this woman knows apostolic truth and uh, she understands about baptism in Jesus' name, infilling of the Holy Ghost. And 
And um, so, what's the name of their village? And she told him, and faint bell back there yonder somewhere. And how did you people get this message? And said, well, there was uh, a woman, a missionary from America came to our village many, many, many years ago. And she won some families, but then was kicked out because the Pakistani government kicked out all of the American missionaries. And now about that time, his blood's chilling. And he said, what was her name? She said her last name was Nuss. And he said, how many of you are there? Oh, there's about 14,000 of us. When we get over yonder, our minds are gonna be blown. But we will no longer be finite so we can handle it. But I told Brother Elder, I said, when your precious grandma Edwina finally passed from this life, I wonder how many Pakistanis were waiting over there to greet her and say thank you. And since she's died, I wonder how many Pakistanis have crossed the river and said, where's that Edwina lady? I want to meet her. This is just the way the kingdom works, folks. This is why, and Paul recognized the importance of this. He's writing a letter to his son in the gospel. And so the part in the role that the apostle Paul played in this young man's life is of inestimable value. But he also knew and understood that, that, uh, that a lot of people's fingerprints on anybody that's in this kingdom. And some of the most important fingerprints ever on that young man. He's writing a letter and he said, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, that means the utterly sincere faith, no fakey, fakery in it. The faith that is in thee which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice and I'm persuaded that in thee also. This is a thing that's gone from generation to generation. And it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Now, if you stop and think about the nation of Israel, both of old and today, and, and, it's, and it's much more difficult now, but one thing about the Israelites, they do tend to keep pretty good books as to who begat who to this day. And uh, so Israel, when you read of it in the Old Testament, you're dealing with, you're just dealing with a family. That is a family that came from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. They constituted 12 tribes, 13 when you realize that the Levitical tribe of Levi was there and the tribe of Joseph was split into two. And these, these tribes constitute the nation of Israel. Now to this day, I remember the first trip we took to Israel and our guide made no bones about it. He said, I'm of the tribe of Levi. 
And he said, you, sh you know that. And he said, we know. So be that as it may, this, 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 this family, when we read of the nation, it was a theocracy. Amen. It wasn't a democracy. It wasn't a monarchy. When you read of it prior to the kings, it was pure theocracy, meaning God was known to be in charge. There was no king. There were priests, and through process of time, God would raise up prophets, but everybody was to just strive to be in tune with God. Well, the problem with the theocracy or any other form of government on the face of the earth is man. That's the problem. It's, it's, it's man. It's man that's in the nation, but it's people that are involved in the politics of the nation, running of the nation, leadership of the nation. That was true in God's theocracy. And, and never was it... Never was it perfect. In fact, uh, I'll make a couple of comments here, and I'm not throwing off on anything. I'm here to tell you, we better thank God. If God ever waited till everything was perfect before he moved, not a one of us would be here. Not one. Not one. So he makes the best that he can out of less than stellar situations. So, in fact, Israel is a family. But when you deal with Abraham, think of his family. Isaac, his family. Jacob, his family. Um, there ain't a psychologist in the world today wouldn't say they, those people were dysfunctional. <laughs> they had deep problems in those families. If you don't believe that, sit down and figure out how to talk to Sarah and Hagar and see what they tell you about it. <laughs> and uh, if you don't believe that, sit down and get a good discussion going with Esau and Jacob. If you don't believe that, Sit down with Rachel and Leah, and if that ain't enough, then throw in Zilpah and Bildad, and you'll find out there's a little dysfunction there. And if you don't believe that, ask the boys. Ask the boys. Ask the boys about the time they were going to face their uncle Esau, and he had 400 men with him. Ask the boys about when he divided up and he got Bildad and Zilpah and their kids, they were up front. Now, there were some cattle and sheep going ahead, and it was two barons, and, and here they were. And then behind them, a ways, was Leah and her, her boys, her daughter. And then behind them was Rachel and Joseph. Now, to his credit, he went way ahead. And met Esau. But as you've heard me say, some of you, they, they couldn't, they didn't know what cannons were in those days, but they knew what cannon fodder was. And that day let them know where they stood and where Joseph stood. 
There's the little darling back in the back. I wonder how safe he'll be. You got the picture? So there were some struggles in the family. And um, so the hatred they had towards Joseph, it, it's not justified, but it was easy to come by. Okay. I'm going to stop here and make a statement in case you haven't noticed. And those of you, you know, I'm like a train moving slow out of the station. Maybe we'll blow the whistle before we get out of here. But uh, Herbert, can you pull that chair up right here? Right here next to the elder. And if I need you to help me up, just stick close. Not really. You can. There was a better way because nothing's perfect. Amen. Again, keep in mind, those of you that are wondering about your situations and stations and problems and traumas and trials and misunderstandings, if, if God had to wait till everything was perfect, we wouldn't have Israel today. There wouldn't be a church today. He would have washed out the apostles before they ever got started. It's just called life. And thank God, this God that Brother Odom talked about today that robed himself in flesh and took on. He couldn't die, but he figured out a way to taste death. He had no blood, but he figured out a way to shed it. He couldn't be tempted and tempts no man, but he figured out a way to be tempted in all points. This God looked at all the dysfunction around him and the bitterness and the rancor and all of the disciples, but John fled one of them with a curse on his mouth. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And he shed the only innocent blood ever pumping through a human heart so we could be here tonight. So we could be here tonight. So rather than going around through life with a rock in your shoe, you can be seated. There was an option. What if Issachar would have kind of got away from the other boys and made his way into Jacob's tent and said, Dad, I want to talk to you. I want you to like me. I like you. No, 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 Dad, wait. I want you to love me like you love Joseph. There have been some speechless moments there. Dad, just tell me what you want me to do. Anything you need, anytime, ever, please send me a note. Send a servant. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. Just let me know, Dad. If you need me to help, Joseph, I'll help him any way I can. What do you think that old man would have done? He'd have never looked at Issachar the same again. So don't ever let fate 
dictate resentments or been done dirties. No, 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 no. There's a better way. There's a better way. That's the reason he gave us this Bible. That's the reason he gave us the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what's good. There's, it, get, you can, it can get better for you. Come on. And one reason we have to do whatever we got to do to get everything as much as possible right. Now, now, if you think I can't do anything until I'm perfect, then you're just going to rot. You, gotta, you take a step at a time, and if you fall, you get back up again. And you keep going, and you keep going. Because it's not just for you. There's a generation behind you. And you got to deal with life in such a way that they'll learn how to deal with life as well. It wasn't perfect, but I washed my mama. It wasn't perfect, but I washed my daddy. And those of you, sad to say, that do not have fond memories, and or I can, I, I know what it is to pastor heartbreak. I know what it is. I know what it is to pastor a lady whose mother that was supposed to be in church beat her to death one day because she didn't hang a dress right on a clothes hanger. Literally to death. She said when she left, how I made my way to the bed. I crawled. She was seven years old. She said, I somehow laid back on the bed and I died and I saw my quickly bruising but already bloody body. And the long story short, she went to the glory world. And then a little girl angel kept looking over her shoulder in a garden and she turned to see. She said, Brother Booker, I use the word city only because it's the only word in our vocabulary that has anything remotely to do with what I saw but it was a city on millions of steroids and glory and colors I never dreamed imaginable. And she said, I want to stay here. And that's as far as she got. She felt herself being taken out. And by and by she came back and saw that dead little body and the next thing she knew, she was opening up her eyes. And in pain, she said, I didn't even know pain like this. But she said, while I laid there, I said, it doesn't matter what happens in my life. No matter what, good or bad, I'm going to that place. And she's lived by it through thick and thin, highs and lows. I'm going to make it. And I could tell you other stories, heartbreaking stories. 
I was telling Brother Odom on the way, we weren't raised in church. My childhood was idyllic. I don't have horror stories. I don't. I don't. Poverty. Grave poverty. But if you don't know you're poor, who cares? <laughs> I thought everybody lived like this. And uh, my problems began when I was a teenager, and I brought every single last one of them on myself. Nobody made me do it. I just walked down an empty, stupid, horrid path. But I didn't have a lot of stuff like that I had to overcome. But I know this. By the sweet mercies of Jesus. And my wife, she, she didn't have it as good as I did. She did not. But she got the Holy Ghost when she was 10. And she dived into church and had Hades at the house. But Jesus was at the church. And uh, she lived for God. And so it goes from one generation to the next and to the next, and to the next. The first year, the organization she was in ever, ever, ever had Bible quizzing the first year, she was a quizzer. And they came in first in the state. She, was, she said, if it wasn't for quizzing, I don't think I'd be living for God today. And then all three of the boys became quizzers. And now the grandkids are quizzers. <laughs> Drives you crazy, but it's part of the package. And, 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 and so there's just something about this generational business. So the human weaknesses that are out there, and Israel as a people, a theocracy, quickly, I mean, there was problems. I mean, you have Aaron as the high priest, and one day the people say, Moses is gone 40 days. We don't know whether he's coming back or not. Make us some gods. And Aaron said, sounds good to me. <laughs> and, 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 and when Moses came down, he broke the, the tables of stone. And he said, Aaron, what have you done? He said, they gave me the jewelry and I threw it in fire and I popped his calf. <laughs> and the Bible says God would have killed him. But Moses entreated and Aaron learned a valuable lesson so that after that, several times, centuries later, God would still refer to Aaron as the saint of the Lord. So ever how bad you may have botched something in life, hang in there, baby. Get back up. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Tonight is a, I'm giving you a conglomeration of many things that I have preached. And I'm, I'm just, I just pulled them together. If you ever wondered whether God honored the sacrifices that were offered morning and evening, morning and evening, and, and all of that. If you ever wondered one day when, when Balaam, the son of Beor, was standing up on a hill and they'd offered the seven oxen. Seven rams. And he's prophesying Israel's below. And one of the things he says, these are the, surely God 
hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob. No perverseness in Israel. And if you'd have been a Hebrew that had wandered from the camp and happened to have your ear flopped up on a rock and you heard that guy and you made your way back to Moses and said, Moses, there's a guy up there. They say he's a prophet of God. His name's Balaam. Balaam, the son of Beor. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Well, he's prophesying. What did he say? He said, God hath not beheld iniquity in Jacob nor perverseness in Israel. And you're the pastor of this group? And you know the Hades these people have put you through from day one? What do you do with that? And he said it under the anointing of God. So I'll tell you what, Moses, the only thing he could have done with it is you go to Aaron and say, you know them sacrifices? Keep it up. They're working. (laughs) That's the only thing that could have done it. The only thing. And God honored it. Because one day there was a lamb slain from the foundation of the world that when he would pay the hideous price, it would all be paid in full. So hang in there, baby. Keep coming to church. Keep praying. Let God know you're sorry and pick it up and keep coming. Keep going. God knows his business. He knows how to make the best out of a bad situation. Hang in there, baby. Now, it did not go that way for Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas. Because they never repented. They never told God they were sorry. They were impudent. It was in their face. And it doesn't matter who likes it or don't like it. We're doing what we want. We'll steal the offerings. We'll do whatever we want to do. And God said, well, all three of you will die in one day. And before it's over, your whole house will be gone. And those that remain will beg to be in the priesthood just for a piece of bread. And that's when the last Abiathar, when Solomon took him out of the priesthood, sent him off back to Anathoth because of his fidelity with Adonijah. And he said, It was fulfilled from the prophecy given to Eli. So God keeps good books. That's why we got to do our best to keep things right. Make sure. You want to know? I'm going to tell you two. You want to know two of the most powerful words in all of the human language? I'm sorry. And learn how to say it to God and learn how to say it to your wife. Learn how to say it to your kids. Learn how to say it to your husband. Learn how to say it to the pastor. Learn how to say it. And I'm going to tell you something as a preacher. I've had to learn how to say it too.
Because we want to have good things to pass on to the generation after us. And so we make it through life. Life is what it is. They got good judges like Gideon, but then you got one of his sons, Abimelech, kills all the other kids but one. You got a good judge like Samuel. He's got two sons and ain't so hot. You got a king by the name of Saul that starts out great and ends up hideous. But then you got a David. Before it's over, you'll have a split kingdom and you'll have 19 kings in northern Israel. Not a good one in the lot. And it's like the apex of wickedness was when, was when Ahab and Jezebel held the reins. But in the midst of that debauchery and that rebellion and that flagrancy, when Elijah said, God, I give up. I can't do anything. I'm the only one left. God said, well, not really. I got 7,000 people you apparently don't know anything about. The point is, somebody's going to live for God. It don't matter who the judge is. Somebody's going to live for God. It don't matter who the high priests are. Somebody's going to live for God, whether it's monarchy or theocracy. Amen. Somebody says, no, 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 no. For me and my house, we're living for God. It doesn't matter. We, there ain't nothing perfect, but God is. But God is. His plan is. Not too many people may be obeying this, but we're going to. Now, when, when they got, they, they finally told Samuel, said, look, we're tired of this theocracy business. Now, that's not the verbiage they used, but that's what they meant. We want a king like the other nations. He said, well, I'm going to tell you. When he took it to God, God said, okay, give them what they want. But tell them the manner of the kingdom. Tell them about the taxes. Tell them about taking their daughters for confectionaries and their sons into the service. Tell them about the vineyards are going to be confiscated from them and given to the king's servants. Tell them about this. Tell them about that. Amen. Protest solemnly and warn them what they're going to really get. And I've learned this in life. You know, I've seen people in processes of making decisions. Preach your heart out, preach your guts out, pray fast, beg God, talk to him. Finally come to the place. It's been done more than once, but called a family into the office and had a boy that wasn't listening very well. They weren't backing me. So he was bent. He was going to marry this girl. Wasn't in church nowhere near. And I said, well, it looks like everybody's mind's made up. So I read the text to him out of Samuel. I said, I hereby do protest solemnly. And I'm warning you the manner of the marriage you're fixing to have. And I'm warning you about what's going to happen to the kids. And I'm warning you about da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, they didn't listen, but the boy did. But other folks have been protested too solemnly. And they didn't listen. And I got a phone call from one of them. Bottom line was, you know why I left? I do. 
Because they, they were bent. Bless their heart. Bless their heart. Bless their heart. They somehow thought because others thought it was okay. Out yonder. I'm going to get a television anyway. Yeah. So, pastor, it okay to all that? Anyway, three or four churches later, I get a phone call. Sobbing. When we were there, even though we had it, at least we could feel God. We're in a place now, it's non-issue whatsoever. From top to bottom, left to right. And she said, you can't find God in there with a Geiger counter. I finally found a church where everybody's just like me. And the only way to fix that is to fix that. And they said, we can't. So what do you do? What do you do? He said, preacher, you done quit preaching and went to meddling. Yeah, we did. And, and I'm going to tell you something. When it comes to Hollywood and television, you better pray God your preacher never quits meddling. You better beg God that your preacher never quits meddling. It's because they know if you're going to make it, buddy, you've got to have something inside you that says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for everything that's in the world. The lust of the flesh, the pride of life, lust of the eye. If Hollywood and television don't feel that, good grief what does. Well, I hope you move on. Well, I'm fixing to. But what he told him was, then on the coronation day, he said this to the people. Listen closely. 1 Samuel 12, 14. If you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, listen closely, then shall both ye... And also the king that reigneth over you continue following the Lord your God. The inference is if you don't do right, you'll get a king you deserve. And if you're not careful, you don't want to push those boundaries till you end up with a pastor you deserve. And while we're here, has anybody noticed the United States is in trouble? I wonder if we're getting the government we deserve. I mean, you can't take out 65 million innocents and not pay the piper somewhere. There was... and. Brother Oda mentioned his name this morning. Plato. He was born in 427 B.C. lived 80 years in Athens. I'm going I'm to read you something he said. Anarchy, chaos in a society, always results in a dictatorship. 
dictatorships go from family to family till it becomes considered monarchy. As monarchical families grow and intermarry, monarchies eventually produce aristocracies. Aristocracies in time eventually produce democracies. And democracies always end in chaos. And it becomes a dictatorship again. And you can go down through history. Some are longer than others. We're here in 2023, United States. We're watching the doors come off the hinges. There was a young lady in our church, been in church four years, I think. Great young lady. She came to me the other day and said, can I, are you where I can ask you a question? I said, yes. She said, what do you think of America? I said, well, first of all, before we get started, I'm going to tell you this. As you look on America and you look on the world, listen closely. I said, there's not one thing on our horizon that Jesus didn't say would be there. He spelled it out. And he said, when you see these things begin to come to pass, don't chew your fingernails and get scared and crawl into a hole and say, oh, God, what's going to happen? No, no, no. You lift up your head. I told you before. Your redemption draws nigh. It ain't time to bail out and get fearful. It's time to step up to the plate. It's time to say, we've got a generational thing going this God was my father's God. If he wasn't, then he's my God. But we're going to pass this thing on, and we got a people that's going out in style. We're not going to roll up in a corner. No, 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 no. I said, so always keep that in mind. Having said that, amen. I said, God always saves the best for last. The evening and the morning were the first day. I like sunsets, but, and I've seen a whole lot more sunsets than I've seen sunrises. But there's something about a sunrise. It's a whole different feel because this is a new day. He saves the best for last. Amen. And, and, and he's not going to start this thing like he did on the day of Pentecost with a spirit coming in like a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And then they filled Jerusalem with this doctrine. And then they went to Antioch, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world. Just to in the last days have us curl up in the church like a whipped kitten in a corner somewhere. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. And the more and deeper and more profound a people can grasp and say, we will live and if need be die, but we're going with God all the way. And there's a God saying, come on. I've got beautiful plans for you. So here's the point. In all of that I've said so far, 
Thank you. Two saints, true saints of God, have lived under every form of government in the world. And every kind of circumstance you can name or imagine. And there have remained two saints. It's here and it's in history. Noah survived a generation so bad, God said he was sorry he made it. Amen. And that's why we're here today. Because he overcame the chaos, the violence, the wickedness of his world. And when that world disobeyed as the time went on, and a man named Nimrod started his little deal, he's had his power of Babel going, and God messed that up for him because after a while, two out of three people couldn't understand a word he was saying. So there goes the building, and during those times of the remnant, after the Tower of Babel, you have people that live for God, like Job. In spite of everything hell could throw at him, Job lived for God. Very good chance he was a contemporary, at least close, was Abraham that walked with God. And then you have him going into Egypt. And Joseph proved you can live for God in Egypt. You can live for God in a prison. You can live for God as a slave. You can live for God when you're on the throne. And the midwife said, no, you can live for God. We don't care what the king's edict says. We're not killing our babies. No, no, we're not going there. Amran and Jochebed said, no, we're not killing that boy. And so Moses was spared Raised in Pharaoh's house, in fact. And he would bring the world the law of God. They'd live for, people would live for him through the wilderness. People would live for him in Canaan land where judges didn't do so hot. They would live for God. Even in the days of the judges, you have Boaz and a Moabite woman. A man named Ruth and they did everything according to the law of God. Amen. You have Josiah the king. That great last godly king of Judah. And the revival that he had. And you say, but he, he died early and, and it wasn't all many years. It was all destroyed. And what good came of it? The best that were carried off into, into Babylon. And there was the king's wine and the king's meat offered to the king's gods. And everybody was gobbling it up. And they all had their reasons. We know there's but one God. <laughs> but Daniel remembered Josiah. And he said, I will not defile myself with the king's meat. And Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego said, count me in. Good enough for Daniel, good enough for us. They were, and, 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 and the guy said, that was over him, he said, look, man, you're going to get skinny and pitiful and the king's going to get mad at me. They said, prove the Lord. Give us nothing but the pulse for 10 days, nothing but water. Check us out. In 10 days, they were fairer and fatter and far wiser. And we don't have to relate the stories. 
except to say all those that one, one day they're just drinking the king's wine, the king's meat, and they, oh, we're not, we're not doing that bad. Well, that's fine, but the problem is when you get started down that road, the day would come when Nebuchadnezzar would set up a golden image and say, when you hear the sound of the music, everybody's going to bow. And when the music's playing, and they get down and they're bowing, and the king's looking. Bring me my binoculars. What are them three dudes doing out there? They're, they're standing. Why? Uh, good question. Go get them. And then he sees the three of his top, top dogs. Apparently they didn't understand. So notice he explains it to them very cogently. He's not mad. And, uh, you know, did you ever, I know, I know this is, some of you, this is repetition, I know. But, but did you ever wonder where Daniel was that day? I actually read one commentary that said, Daniel probably bowed. I thought, you fool. You fool. And I began to ask God about it, and one day God let me know where Daniel was. You want to know where he was? I'll tell you. He let me know. He was wherever God wanted him to be. But God didn't want him there. You know why God didn't want him there? It wasn't that he was afraid Daniel would bow. He wanted to see what Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego would do without their pastor. Without your pastor looking over your shoulder. Are you still got it in you? We're not going to bend. We're not going to bow. And if we burn, so what? But they lived for God even in a fiery furnace. And the good part is when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. And there's some folks, they come out of a trial and you'll hear about it the next two years. Amen. But here we are. And we're the people upon whom the ends of the world have come. Through the Middle Ages, through the Dark Ages, God's always had a people. When Calvin's rising up doing his thing and Luther's rising up doing his thing, and they're all still embracing the Trinity doctrine, there was a guy named Michael Servetus that said, if you're going to have a Reformation, you got to go for the root and pull out that triune Godhead business. And so Mr. Calvin had him burned with green wood to make it slower. But God's going to have a people because there's a God in heaven that ruleth. Hallelujah. O Lord, thou remainest forever. Thy throne is from generation to generation. And let me tell you something. That God knows when to show up. That God knows when to show up. Ask Job if God knows when to show up. 
Ask Jacob about the stairway he saw in the desert. Ask Moses about a bush with his name on it. Ask Gideon about the angel by the well. Ask the widow about Elijah the prophet and the food. Ask God. Amen. And he'll tell you, I know when to show up. Amen. Musicians, I want you to come. Ask the disciples. You can be seated, except for the musicians. <laughs> but that hideous, heinous crucifixion. The brother Odom talked about today. And the disciples, who even at the Last Supper were fussing among themselves who was going to be the greatest. Listen to me. That was the last time they ever had that discussion. After crucifixion day, never was there a discussion who's going to be better than anybody else. Because they all do. Did you ever wonder how many months, maybe years it took when Simon would be soundly sleeping and he'd hear a rooster crow and his blood would freeze. And he'd come awake and it's still crowing and his heart would slow down. It's, it's okay, it's, it's over. He's alive. I've seen him. And he forgave me. He knows how to handle it. And if your name is John, you wonder if God's going to show up and you're put in a boiling pot of oil and you just crawl out. He knew when to show up. If you're banished to the Isle of Patmos and you're alone and it's the Lord's day and as your want, you're going to have church by yourself if need be. And then you hear a voice behind you and you turn and Jesus has showed up. And he begins to talk to you and he gives you 404 verses that make up the 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. And I'm not about, I'm almost done. To give you an exegesis on my outlook on the book of Revelation because I'm pan-tripped. Come trouble or woe, sorrow or no, it's going to pan out. Just, just live for Jesus. Just live for Jesus. That's me. I vote for pre. I vote for pre. But whatever. But I will tell you the most important verse to me in the entire book of Revelation. And it's not in chapter 4 or 7 or 10. It's in chapter 18. 
I'm going to give you the verse before it and the verse after it. The verse before says, All nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her, the great harlot's fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, that great harlot. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. For And then the verse after, for her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. But here's the verse in between, the most important verse in the book of Revelations to me. Verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partaker of her sins and that you receive not of her plagues. The most important verse of Revelation is that in the days we're living in right now, God's in the business of calling hungry people honest-hearted people they're in a harlot situation they're daughters of harlots and they're watching their churches go to pot and going to nothing and and they're hearing things changed and everything's going so woke and go and they just they don't know what to do i'm here to tell you god's got a word come on out come on out i've still got a bride i've still got a people it's our hour right now. If we ever reached, it's now. And I'm going to prove to you how it's happening. Everybody be seated. If you, before you came into this one God, Jesus' name, apostolic, Acts 2.38, holiness, truth. If you were involved in some denominal church that believed in the triune God, would you stand and keep standing? Look at this. These people came out of that. Now, watch, watch, watch. watch. If your parents came out of that or them, would you stand? Look around. You ready? Everybody keep standing. If your grandparents came out of that and that's why you're here, would you stand? Revelation 18, 4 is right before our eyes. God's moving in these last days. Come out of her. Be ye separate, that you be not partaker of her plagues. Now let's everybody stand. Oh Lord, thou remainest forever. Thy throne is from generation to generation. I'm almost done. I was preaching at Fort Myers. And again, I know you've heard preaching for Brother Williams. I think it was three days. And that church pulled it out of me. You hear me? And it pulls, you out, pulls it out of you. So him and I, we were <coughs> services over, altar service, everything. We're on our way. We're walking through the corridors and we're about to go out to the parking lot. And, and some of his precious young people, I think there was a six, seven, eight of them. 
And there was a host, a host of young people, but there was about six, seven or eight of them. And they said, Brother Booker, Brother Booker. And I turned around and I said, yes. And they said, we want to ask you a question. And if you don't mind, pretend you're not just talking to us. Pretend you're talking to every young person in this truth on the face of the earth. If we represent them, what would you say to us? I said, I know exactly what I would say to you. I said, you could have been born any time down through the ages. But God chose for you to be born in this generation. And whether it's a good book or play, the last act, the last chapter has the power to make it or ruin it. The most important is the last act, the last chapter. The book of Acts was never finished. Listen to me. We're in the process of finishing the book of Acts right now. <laughs> and young people, that God would choose you Brother Bass has preached to you. Brother Odom has preached to you. I'm preaching to you. Brother Holmes is preaching to you. And then Brother Marx is preaching to you. He's talking to us in these hours. He wants to use us. I don't know how much longer I'll be around. I don't know how much longer we'll all be around. But he has got his hand on this generation. What shall I more say? The time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, through faith, subdued kingdom, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions from generation to generation to generation to generation, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness, waxed strong, made valiant, flight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Generation after generation, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trials of cruel, mocking, scourging, yea, over. They were stoned, sown asunder, tempted, slain with a sword, wandered about the world wasn't worthy of them deserts and mountains and dens and caves listen these all having obtained a good report through faith receive not the promise verse 40 Hebrews 11 God having provided some better thing for us that they, without us, should not be made perfect. From generation to generation to generation. Young people, there is a hand of destiny in this place. 
and in this world and in this kingdom. And if there's something beating in your heart that says, God, if you ever used anybody, I want you to use me. If you ever anointed anybody, I want you to anoint me. I don't care what your age is. I don't care how young you are. I don't care, and God doesn't care. He's just looking for people that will say, for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. I will be by the grace of, I'm not perfect, but God, I'm going to walk with you and talk with you, and I'm going to make myself available to you. And if you're willing to step out where you are and make your way down and say, God, great God, gracious God, mighty God, here I am. There's a God. There are angels in heaven. I'm, I'm telling you, heaven and hell's watching right now. And he has a plan for everybody under the sound of my voice. That's it. Scoot up to the front. Scoot up close. Scoot up close. Make a way for everybody to get as close as they can. That's it. Come on. Clear the aisles. Make a way. Come on. Everybody that wants something special of God in your world. you're wondering why I'm given one last verse Romans 9 28 for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth come on let's be part of that work let's be part of that work That's it, young man. That's it, young lady. Keep coming. That's it.